This is the Just Sports Talk Podcast. What's going on, guys? I'm JR Mantat, and as per usual, I'm joined by Stefano Pulegi, Tristan Marchegiani, Trist, not Tristan, Dimitri Daffos, and our special guest today, Matthew Spina. Thank you very much, boys. I'm honored to be here. We got some uh, breaking news happening right now. The Cleveland Cavaliers are blowing up, guys. Another Woj bomb, eh? A Woj, Woj, Woj bomb, yeah. I think. I think yeah, it's the same say. thing. It's the All same right, thing. so the big big news, uh, we're recording, uh, I think this is the perfect time that we record on trade deadline, we're recording on Thursday. The Los Angeles Lakers have acquired Isaiah Thomas, Channing Fry, and a 2018 first-round pick from the Cleveland Cavaliers for Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. I think an hour after that, or just a few minutes after, the Cleveland Cavaliers are involved in a three-team deal, sending George Hill, Rodney Hood to the Cleveland Cavaliers, Jay Crowder, Derek Rose to Utah Jazz, and Joe Johnson and Iman Shumpert to the Sacramento Kings. Wow. I think there's one more trade because there's, there's, there's still something going on with... Oh, there's one. Dwayne Wade has been sent back to the Miami Heat for a second round pick. Um, I think I think that's pretty much it for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, oh, is that it? Is th- that's it, right? Oh, there's it's, one more. No. There's one more. Oh, no, no there's more. Okay. Um, no, that's it. That's it. Okay. Honestly, huh. okay. What do you guys think about this whole situation with Cleveland Cavaliers? Well, I love that you said that's it, right? Like it was nothing. They only traded away Isaiah Thomas. Uh, who else here? George Hill. Ro- uh, sorry, Jay Crowder, Derek Rose, Iman Shumpert, Joe Johnson, Dwayne Wade, all in the span of what? 40 minutes uh they traded away their whole team practically i i find that uh listen this move these moves by the cleveland cavaliers it tells me one thing and it tells me that they are cleaning house and getting set to rebuild i don't they know they don't have a chance against the warriors most people know that as a reality um I I'm not saying they won't make it to the finals, but now also this gives teams like Boston and Toronto a very good chance to dethrone them in the Eastern Conference. That's my takeaway from these moves. It's uh it's definitely something that had to be done, first of all. Um, you know, Cleveland very old franchise. Um, and you can tell just by the past couple games, you know, nobody wants to work on that franchise. Um none of the players are really committed. The only one that really seems committed is well, LeBron, of course. Uh I'm gonna talk about LeBron a little bit later. I got some opinions on now how the offseason is gonna be planning out. But really, um going off the trades they made today, I mean Rodney Hood is putting up seventeen points a game this season. He's a pretty good acquisition, only twenty five years old, uh years of age. He's a great winger. LeBron can you know, pick and roll with Justin Thompson kick out on the corner. So really, they did get a good player in that. Um, but mostly, they're trying to get younger. And that's what I respect with uh, what Dan Gilbert's trying to do this offseason. I mean, I think I agree with Tristan. This is kind of an, an FU to LeBron James. I mean, I find it very hard to believe how Dan Gilbert, who I personally think is the worst owner in sports history, could make this many changes and expect LeBron to even make it to maybe the East Final now. Who knows? The way that the Cavs are playing, yeah, they squeaked out a nice overtime win yesterday. A nice little buzzer beater shot by LeBron, a fadeaway over Jimmy (laughs) Butler. 
But I just, I don't know. I don't see what Dan Gilbert's seeing. Obviously, like you said, they want to get younger. And maybe they're, they're I think they're preparing for LeBron to leave exactly. and start this rebuild. That's the only way that I see it. I don't see why he'd get rid of Isaiah Thomas just like that. Mm-hmm. It's and crazy. And sorry to interrupt you. They still have their uh, first round pick from Brooklyn. They didn't trade that Brooklyn pick. So it's it's a key sign that if I think they might go for a rebuild. They have good contracts. Um, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nash Jr., uh, Rodney Hood, George Hill. There's some good players that can stick with the Cavs for a few more years. If LeBron leaves, um, they could still contend. On paper, it looks like they could contend in the East with or without LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um, they still have Jose Calderon. They still have Jarrah Smith, uh, who hasn't been traded as well. So, I mean, right now we're we're recording like an hour before the trade deadline actually ends. Uh, so who knows if anything else will happen. But honestly, I think in my perspective, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, they definitely emptied, emptied out their roster. The Los Angeles Lakers, on the other hand, they did a good job in this trade. They dumped contracts with Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nash Jr. And it looks like they have a bit more cap space to potentially pursue other players later on in the next few years. That being LeBron James, potentially, but I don't think so. Paul George, probably. And there's a few other players. So this actually looks good um, for now. Los Angeles Lakers still have Isaiah Thomas and Channing Five, who are great shooters. Uh, I believe Lonzo Ball should, be, should still be on as a point guard, even if they have Isaiah Thomas. So the Los Angeles Lakers still look intriguing in this deal. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think it's very interesting in all aspects when you actually take a look to see which players were taken away and which ones were moved, right? I mean, I still think even Isaiah Thomas yesterday, he said that he's only feeling 75 to 80% physically. So after coming back from a brutal injury like that, you're going to expect him to still ease his way in. And you know what? He probably won't even find his feet until there's like 10 to 20 games left in the regular season. So I think that's when you're going to be able to see, you know what? Wow, this Lakers team their future is going to be very bright like you said JR I think Lonzo Ball should continue to start I think he's their man the face of the franchise going forward obviously Kuzma is still going to get his minutes I think the Lakers have a very bright future but one thing I just want to touch on obviously the 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 Cleveland Cavaliers they lost a lot of good players but I think Rodney Hood coming in I think he's going to be able to make the most impact on that on their new team of any player because I think he's already a well-established shooting guard in the NBA. He's consistent. I think you have a guy like LeBron James passing him the ball, not Ricky Rubio mm-hmm. and all these guys. I think he's going to be able to, like as a team, Cleveland's going to be able to stretch the floor more, find the open shots, and I think Rodney Hood's actually going to be able to <laughs> excel and succeed in the Cavaliers jersey. At the end of the day, if if Cleveland wanted to compete this year, they have that Nets first first round pick. That's gonna be a top five pick. Let's 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 not, you know, talk like it isn't. They could have easily gotten all all an all-star. They could have made a massive trade if they wanted to compete. LeBron James wants to be surrounded in talent, and in Cleveland, unfortunately, they didn't really have that. Kevin Love went down, IT, like you said, is not playing at hundred percent. The bench is just terrible. They definitely needed a change of culture, something like that. Now Going off LeBron contract expiring this year, he's gone. 
Let's all be honest. LeBron's not going to stick around. They don't. The, the window for the Cavs to win, maybe they could push the finals. Who knows? At the end of the day, you know, going off last season, the last season around this time, everyone was still talking about the Cavs saying, oh, they're not going to do good. They're not this. They don't have team chemistry. And then look what happened. You know, they made the finals. You know, they pulled it out because LeBron has the ability to do that. LeBron is a special player. He's LeBron. In the in the finals, he's just, or in the, in the playoffs, not even the finals, he just sw- flicks a switch. He goes absolutely mental. And we've seen that in the series against the Raptors, you know, spinning the ball, popping threes like it's all tomorrow. So the real question is, where is LeBron going to end up this offseason now? Now, me personally, I think that the foundation in both San Antonio and as well as Houston is laid out. Um, with Pop and, you know, a Kawhi, LeBron is going to be explosive now obviously if he's LeBron wants to stay in the east he gets an easy path to the finals if he decides to build a super team but that the resources aren't with him in the east there's not really a team in the east that has the ability to make a trade a sign and trade or you know the cap space to do it that LeBron would want to go to so really it comes down to those two teams what do you guys think um probably um I, I do think he he might go to the west Potentially, definitely not going to the Warriors. Let's, let's get that out of the way. Yeah, that, that was crazy. Um, but I do see him, I, I would love to see him in a San Antonio uniform uh, playing under Greg Popovich. Uh, it, just, it, just, it was just a, a thought that came out, I think, a few weeks ago by Max Kellerman, a first take. And probably, I think that's it. To be honest, I, I th- I'm very strong on holding him at in San Antonio. I don't disagree with that preposition, JR, that he would go to the Spurs. The only question is, how would he and Pop fare? Because you've obviously got the best coach in the league in Popovich, and you got the best player in the league. In all-time, arguably, coach. Not even league, all-time, arguably. All-time, arguably, yeah, exactly, right? Exactly. The problem is, when you have that sort of level of calib- a, a caliber of a coach, and you got you know LeBron James, who is known to sort of go through his antics every year, you have you know the Arthur meme this year, you have last year, he needs help they're too top heavy Popovich isn't the type of guy who likes to put up with that kind of stuff you see the that the Spurs don't have as much personality you could say Kawhi Leonard is the least personable superstar we've ever probably ever seen in the NBA yep. like you never yep. hear that guy say something out of the sorts um you know the same thing with LaMarcus Aldridge you have the, those players there so with LeBron there you're always gonna have the media all over him he's gonna get 20 questions about LeBron just to start off his press conferences uh-huh. I don't know if Pop really wants to, wants that wants to go through that with LeBron as great as he is I don't think Pop is the type of guy who wants to put up with that sort of a circus I I, I don't know that's just my personal opinion I think I think Pop would love LeBron. I mean, at the end they they have mutual respect for each other, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's been no, noticeable. You know, they clearly embrace each other like crazy. Um, with the Spurs, you've got Dejounte Murray, who's coming up, very very talented point guard. Um, you've also got um, the incredible, you know, uh, Aldridge will be gone. 100%. All, you, you, they won't be able to fit under the cap. But you have Kawhi Leonard, who, on, uh, honestly, in my personal opinion, when healthy, can challenge Durant for second in the league. Easy. Easy. By far. Better. And that was, um, you know, shown in the conference finals last year. Before, you know, Zaza did that, you know, bonehead play. Zaza put cheap shot. <laughs> <laughs> that... That really like switched the series on his head because I mean Kawhi is just a lockdown defender, and when you have a lockdown defender like Kawhi, with 
a, a elite player all time, like you know LeBron, and then you have the coaching and the ability of Pop. That could potentially be a dynasty for the rest of LeBron's career. And honestly, no matter what kind of super team you build, I do think that in six games the Spurs could beat the Warriors. And I don't know if that that, that makes me crazy or anything. Seven games, six. I mean, I, I think six. I think they got that easy. But you still, there's still OKC in that in that mix. That's that's if if you if you and Houston, if you yeah, yeah. oh Houston too. Yeah. Um, oh my God, Houston. LeBron can go to Houston too. Yeah. But I don't think yeah. I don't think they need need LeBron. I think LeBron. I think James Harden and CP3 are doing well enough that they could get another player besides LeBron James. Um, but yeah, getting to that point, I think there's a lot of teams in the in the West that they can compete. I think if you add LeBron to the Spurs, um, say say if you add LeBron to the Spurs right now, I'd say you would you would put Spurs up competing with OKC. Oh no, sorry, not OKC, Houston and Golden State. Because in my opinion, right now in the West, the only two teams that are competing and that's going to actually make it to Western Conference Finals, which we've I think seen a preview before, is Houston and the Golden State Warriors. LeBron goes to the West. It's going to be another animal in that conference of the NBA. You might as well give the East to the Raptors, right? But, like, when when you're talking about LeBron going to the West, look at the teams they're competing with. Golden State, as you said, JR, OKC, Houston, Minnesota's up there. These are going to be teams just fighting for their playoff lives come the postseason. Well, yeah. Essentially, if if the West, if the LeBron decides to go to the West, let's let's all be honest. The West is going to be an absolute. Um, it's be, every game is basically going to be an all star matchup. There's so many superstars in that in that conference. The East will basically be you know considered a joke. You know that's 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 just just saying it, the harsh reality of it. Um, now, with all due respect, you know the Raptors and and you know Celtics, they're they're great teams, um, but really, could anyone? in the East challenge somebody in the West? That's the real question. Okay, Tristan, man, you know I love you, but like what you said like four <laughs> minutes ago about you don't think Pop would want LeBron on your team, this is the most blasphemy I've ever heard in my life. You you really think that the greatest coach of all time wouldn't want the second greatest player of all time? Hey, hey, I just just my opinion. But that that's that that's not even an opinion. That's just stupidity. Like think of it. You really <laughs> think that Pop would be like, nah, I don't want any I don't want LeBron in any of his quote unquote problems, which he doesn't have any. Like, do you really think that Greg Popovich would say, you know what, given the chance I can get LeBron, I'm not going to take him? Oh, of course Could you not. imagine LeBron no coach in a and Kawhi? Never mind, never mind Pop. Well, no coach in a league would say that. I don't mean problem. It's just every year you can agree there's something with LeBron every single year. You can agree to that. Like it's what, an, though? It's like an what? ego thing. That's all it really is. At the end of the day, exactly. it just turns out to be a big with ego With LeBron, thing. when you're the best player in the league, LeBron likes to control his narrative. He loves posting those cryptic messages or what did LeBron mean when he tweeted this or what would that... That Instagram post mean? No, no, you watch, you watch too much of Skip Bayless. That's why. That's why. <laughs> I think, I think LeBron, as Tristan says, he likes to control the play of the franchise. But listen, no, not, no. not arguing the fact that uh, Pop wouldn't want LeBron on his team because at the end of the day, he's easily right now one of the best players in the NBA. 
to Ooh, add a game. LeBron, LeBron. He's the best by far. Not even close. Okay, continue. Go. To, <laughs> to add such a, a powerhouse to your team, I would think, I would hope at least every coach in the NBA would want that. At the end of the day, I just think it comes down to an ego thing. At the end of the day, he goes to the Spurs. Who's going to control the team? Is it going to be LeBron which or is, is it going to be Pop? Which brings me to the point. This whole Le GM thing and everything like that, LeBron runs a team, that's only during his time in Cleveland. When LeBron was with the Miami Heat, he had Pat Riley up above, and he had Eric Spolstra, his coach. Do you really think LeBron took control of that team in any way, shape, or form? Not a chance. Because those are guys that, one, know how to run a franchise, and one, who knows how to coach the game of basketball. And they know how to win. And they know how to win. Look at Eric Spolstra now. He's lost LeBron, Bosh, D. Wade, and they're still in the playoffs right now. I'm telling you right now, if LeBron James were to actually go to San Antonio, there will be no problems between him and Pop. So are you saying Tyron Lue doesn't know how to run a, a basketball team? Well, I mean, when you're comparing him to Greg Popovich, no. No, but yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, I don't think Tyron Lue is as bad as people think. I just think the whole organization, the franchise has won, isn't stable in Cleveland. And that's why LeBron should want to leave. If Dan Gilbert wasn't that much of an idiot and he actually knew what he was doing, I actually think that's Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder and actually guys who will make a difference sooner or later would stay. But if I'm LeBron, give me one reason why I should stay in Cleveland. I don't care if it's my hometown or not. I'm gone. LeBron wants to win. LeBron, he's at the end, of the day, he's chasing Jordan. Um, everyone knows that. It's obvious. Um, me personally, I don't believe LeBron is the goat of all, uh, greatest of all time. Um, there's really no debate in that. Uh, what Jordan could do in the finals, when you're when you're classified as the GOAT, you want to be the greatest player. And, well, you got to be the best. To be the best, you got to beat the best, right? And LeBron has not beat the Warriors. Yes, they're a super team, but LeBron, if he wants to get back in that GOAT discussion, he needs to join a team like the Spurs or like the Rockets or even OKC if that is uh, an option for him. LeBron wants to be the best. He strives to be the best. That's what LeBron does. So really that's that's what LeBron is probably thinking right now. What situation is best for me? Yeah, and again, Dimitri, you said before you don't like my opinion about Popovich. It's just and LeBron not or sorry, Popovich not wanting to have LeBron on his team. I don't I'm not saying from a straight caliber of a player he wouldn't want who wouldn't want LeBron James on their team I take LeBron in a heartbeat the thing is his personality I don't think Popovich just wants to deal with that he's never really dealt with when was the last time you heard of a Spurs player ever saying something out of the sorts that uh, Popovich couldn't really you know defend or he didn't like you never hear about that San Antonio was just that place he knows how to coach them he knows how to how to train them to be with the media don't give any other t- a lot like the Patriots a lot like the New England Patriots I find that with Bill Belichick you never hear anything out of the sorts with them they just completely control the narrative they never like to give the other team their hand and they're just you know they don't like to have the big showboating or the big circus I guess around them and unfortunately with LeBron not so much his fault but that just comes with being the best player in the world you're gonna have media asking you questions all the time and sometimes he says things that people you know take another way so that was just my opinion on that no I understand but I just don't think that LeBron is that dumb enough to actually create controversy and like problems, negativity around his teammates. Trust me, when you go to a world-class organization, 
like the San Antonio Spurs, who I think are one of the best franchises in history, not just North American sports, but sports in the world, Europe, anywhere. I honestly think that LeBron and Pop could probably be the next Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan. Easy. But the thing is, the only thing that questions that is the fact that LeBron is turning 34. And like Spina, how you were saying that the Spurs could be a dynasty. I don't see the Spurs winning three championships, even if LeBron does go there. Because mm-hmm. if you win two, it's not a dynasty. You need three, right? That's yep. respectable. So, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. Again, sometimes we get too happy and we just let things out, right? Yeah, Which I understand. Right. But JR, I want to I touch on something that you said. Right now, you think that it looks like it's only going to be Houston and Golden State. Did you not see what the Thunder did to Golden State the other night in their home? Yeah, but I, I still think they still have some stuff to do to actually make some noise because they still they're still growing it with each other. That game against yeah, that game against the Warriors, they, they Melo's been out. Yeah. So, but even the game before that, when they were at the Chesapeake Center Energy Center where the OKC played, they beat them by like twenty something too. Yeah. I mean, trust me, man. OKC has always known how to play the Warriors, and that's why I think I don't want to say like the Warriors should be scared, scared about playing yeah. OKC in the second round, but it's something they should definitely have in their back of their mind and think about going forward because Carmelo didn't even play in that game. And yeah. you know, Carmelo, when he gets hot, he's a lockdown of shooter. Mm-hmm. He'll make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. But to me. Obviously, the Timberwolves are a great team, but I don't think that they have it just yet. I think they still need a couple more pieces. Like Jamal Crawford, I was watching the game yesterday against the Cavs. The guy still has the best crossover and the best jump shot in the NBA. Like, it's crazy how good he is, even though he's so old. Like, I mean, they're a good team, but like I said, they still need pieces. OKC, to me right now, is the third best team in the West. OKC is still growing as a team. They still have some work to do to actually cohere or, like, gel together. Uh, we see we see some some spotlights on them, like, uh, when they play together. But Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and... Um, their big guy, I forgot his name. Steven Adams. Steven Adams. He's amazing. Uh-huh. Right? They're big, big Kiwi. Big Kiwi. They're slowing to gel, they're slowly gelling together. I still need to see some more out of them. But I've, like in my opinion right now, I still see Golden State and Houston as a Western Conference final. Yeah. But OKC could still come come from behind and they can still make it there. And then, and to the point if LeBron for some reason if he does go to the San Antonio Spurs, he could be in that mix as well. Like, one thing that I always think about whenever I watch OKC play, especially this year with the likes of Paul George and Carmelo Anthony on their team, Mm. last year when you watched that series against the Rockets in the first round, Mm. if you really go back and study games one to five, game one, the Rockets killed the Thunder. You know what? They deserve that game. But in games two, three, four, and five, OKC literally had a 10-point lead plus in every single one of their games. Yep. But... Westbrook can't play 48 minutes. Exactly. That's where guys like Carmelo Anthony and especially Paul George would come in and make an impact and help and ease that. I truly believe that although right now it's clear to say that the two best teams in the West are Golden State and Houston in that order, one and two, Mm -hmm. but I really think that OKC is a team that should never be taken lightly, especially when you have three superstars on your team that can change the game in an instance. Exactly. That's OKC went out and they got those guys. OKC needed um, to support Westbrook. Westbrook at the the day uh last year was unreal like he literally played like a my career player on 2k um the stats (laughs) that he was putting up but 
that the fact that they went out and they got those guys, they got Paul George for next to nothing, you know, Sabonis and Old Depot. Don't get me wrong, those are good squad, uh, um, you know, players. But at the end, of the, they're not. Paul George standard. Paul George is an all-star. Um, Melo, like you said, Melo could turn it on. And we've seen Melo do that multiple times on a crappy New York Knicks team. When Melo wants to turn it on, he can turn it on. And now there's not that much pressure on Melo to perform when you've got guys like Westbrook and Paul George stepping up to the plate for you. So really, if those two guys, you know, God forbid, you know, nothing happens to them, you know, they don't uh, they don't have a bad game right now, and then you have that option of Melo. Steven Adams is also very, very underrated. A lot of people sleep on Steven Adams. He's, he is a double-double threat every night, a monster in the paint, great defender. And people, he is like the Clint Capella for OKC. Mm, but and better. Be, yeah. Stronger. Better. Stronger as better. well. Better too. Exactly. Better and stronger. Both. Okay. Bigger, better, faster, stronger. Okay. Matt, no, sorry. Uh, Spina, continue with your What's point. What's up? Okay. So basically, I think that in a series, in a seven game series, I this may be crazy. OKC beat the Warriors. I personally think this in a seven game series, okay? If everyone's healthy and yeah, they play, if everyone's healthy. and if they play full, like how they're, you know, the stats show up. Westbrook could Westbrook guard Curry, guaranteed. Yeah, you know, but the Paul George versus you know Clay Thompson, you know, that's gonna be an interesting matchup because Clay Thompson's a great three and D, and then you know you've got also Paul George, but Paul George also gets to the rim. Melo versus Durant, Durant's got that of course, but it 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 it's all comes down to how they play in crunch time because the Warriors they they tend to you know they know they're good so they don't really give their 100% all the time because they know that they can clutch something out randomly and we've seen that this season multiple times right but OKC have something special with them the way that they yeah you know they're not really that team chemistry there but they're still a decent team and they've been playing together for half a season when you get to the nitty gritty of the playoffs and you actually understand each other's players and you gain that team chemistry they're going to be a lethal force in that conference Mark my words. Then Spina came back to reality and realized he was dreaming. <laughs> they will not beat the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with Steph on this one. Uh, you know, that, a lot a lot of what you said, Spina, I, listen, I they beat them twice this year. So they could exactly. beat the Golden State Warriors. It won't be a sweep by any stretch of the it imagination. Be. It might even go seven games like you said. But the thing is, you said a lot of ifs and buts. If they play correctly and if Golden State, they might catch them on and off night and you know sort of Westbrook and Curry uh, cross each other out and and you know but you still got Kevin Durant as the second best player in the world you still got Steph Curry the greatest shooter in NBA history I mean I find it very hard to believe four times in two weeks OKC is going to beat the Warriors I really I just find it hard to believe at the end of the day Golden State is Golden State and that's all there's to it they've got Every talented player you could think of. The way I don't know of a team in the NBA that shoots the three ball better than Golden State. Okay. Agreeable. Yep. At at the most clutch times in a game, you know Golden State's always there. And and their their performances this season have backed up that stat. But Back it up, not against the Thunder this year. I'm telling you, man, the last two games the Thunder have played the Warriors, they've absolutely ran them. Okay, every team they beat has them. a bad game. 
Every team has a bad game, but come playoff time, you know the Warriors, they're going to be knocking on that door, and you know that teams are going to have no chance. But can but can they beat the Warriors in a seven-game series? For sure. I think they can, but like Spina said, there's going to be a lot of... Work. A lot, yeah. Everything's going to have they, to go They're right. going to have to grind for it. Definitely. Luck, a lot of things have to go Not Not just luck. No, it's, just, not, it's, just, mm. it's just about work and actually being gelling together, actually executing their actual plays, executing their yeah. shots, making their shots. Because if you don't make your shots against the Warriors, the Warriors are going to kill you. Exactly. On the, the counter. The one so thing fast. that I've always said about this Golden State Warriors team, and it's why the Cavs lost last year, Tristan Thompson was amazing. Mm-hmm. Not last year, two years two ago. Years he ago, was yep. amazing. Yep. But now, look at those these last two games against uh, Golden State with the Thunder. Steven Adams is literally the reason why they win the game. I understand Westbrook went off the yep. other night, two nights ago in the first quarter. He had 21 in the first quarter. I understand that. But the only way to beat the Warriors is to bully them down low in the paint offensively and defensively because when they like to play small and put the and put Draymond or KD at the five, the only way to bully them is to put your big man in the paint and literally dominate them on the glass. And that's what the Thunder have done these last two games. And that's why I think people need to chill out and not just book Golden State or book the Rockets right into the, into the NBA Finals because I actually think that this OKC team is going to be taken lightly and it's going to make people wake up. Yeah, Steven Adams is a wild card. There's there's no doubt about that. He's a he's a wild card in this in this um, equation. Um, what he can provide and what he can bring is really going to depict the outcome of this of the series because like you've said Golden State plays small. Um, they know that that's their best lineup and obviously when you're in the playoffs, you want to play your best players on the court. So in doing so, that's how that's um, the uh, that's the way that OKC have to exploit um, the Warriors to pull out a win. They need to exploit their weaknesses, and their weaknesses they like to play small a lot. So taking advantage of that is definitely the way to go. Uh, if you're an OKC fan, if you're the OKC front office, if you're the OKC coaching staff, you need to you know exploit that. It's going to be very interesting when the playoffs. Get started in just the next few months. Uh, trade deadline is almost over as we're recording right now. By the time you listen to this, it's probably over. But let's just go through what the trade, what some of the trades that have went down. Um, Jameer Nelson from Detroit Pist- no, sorry, Jameer Nelson from Chicago Bulls was traded to uh, Detroit uh, for Willie Reed. Um, we also have. Miami uh, Atlanta Hawks Luke Babbitt traded for Okaro White to the Atlanta Hawks. James Ennis from the Memphis Grizzlies was traded to Detroit for Bryce Johnson and a second round pick. Um, and also we have Dwayne, yeah, Dwayne Wade going to the Miami Heat. That's surprising. He's going back to to the Miami Heat. Um, and just lastly, before we talk about the Raptors. The New York Knicks were involved in a treat, uh, three trade deal, three team deal. Emmanuel Mudiay, Mudiay, Yeah, that's how you say it. Okay, from the da- Denver Nuggets was traded to New York. Devin Harris from Dallas Mavericks was traded to Denver Nuggets, and Doug McDermott is now a Dallas Maverick. But the Toronto Raptors have made a deal. 
And that deal was Milwaukee Richardson for Bruno Caboclo. Yeah, I know, guys. And all the Cavs uh, hype, we forgot Bruno Caboclo got traded from the Raptors. Big deal, Tristan. <laughs> Big deal. Come on. Two, two years away from being two years away. I yeah. think he still is. Yeah, what, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Um, he shows potential, but, like, I mean, for now, we don't need him. It's, it sucks that, like, we thought that he could be a good yeah. player. He was supposed to be our Kevin Durant of yeah, the Toronto Raptors. Like, Come on. And now it's been like three, four years since he's been drafted. And it's already been two years away, been from two years away. We haven't seen any progress. He's been doing great at that Raptors 905, but yeah. I think it's time for him. It, I don't think he, he was he, he needs a good a fit. A good fit being on this Toronto Raptors main squad. Um, playing in Sacramento, we'll see if he actually stays or if Sacramento will buy him out. I think it's a good deal for him to just explore his actually mm-hmm. mature and play on a main roster team because he, I think he needs that because there's a lot of doubters that they, he doesn't they don't think that Bruno Caboclo can be an NBA player he's just just long and lengthy, lanky so I mean 905 and the Raptors is a huge jump mm. I mean He's a good 905 player, mm. but you bring him to the pros and play with the Raptors. He can't keep the up NBA, with the NBA. He's just an average basketball player. Can't keep up with it. I mean, Sacramento, they're a very bad organization too. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they bought him out or if he got traded again somehow. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, the only Brazilian that the Raptors need is Nogueira. <laughs> so, and actually, Joe Johnson was part of that three-team deal with Cleveland and Utah. So, he's he's on the Sacramento Kings. But there's reports of him, of Sacramento buying him out. So, in that deal only Iman Chumper was is left in Sacramento and Bruno Caboclo Joe Johnson he's being bought out do you think he could be on the Toronto Raptors squad if there is time I mean he has shown over the years that he can be very clutch in the playoffs yeah, I mean, when he was on that. Brooklyn exactly he killed he torched us he killed the Raptors he was literally he was literally all Brooklyn needed really he came up clutch in the biggest moments made ridiculous shots um, and I mean even going back to his Atlanta days he was doing the same thing yeah. so if you have him off the bench he could be like a D-Wade like D-Wade going yep. back to Miami that's a big deal for Miami they only got they only got rid of for a second round pick was that I believe right so yeah. they, they got a good deal out of that just getting yeah. back their star exactly. player franchise player that they drafted a few yeah. a long time ago even if he plays off the bench for you that that still is an awesome uh, uh, six man he could easily put up 15 points a game for you off the bench that is an is an X factor um but if I were to see Joe Johnson go somewhere, I would like it to be the Raptors because we need more just all around like like playoff experience, I feel. I feel like we don't we don't lack that guy that sorry, has been sorry, no, to, sorry to interrupt, but I think Joe Johnson might be that guy that actually puts the Raptors from a really good like a great team mm. to an elite team. Yeah. Because you need guys like that with playoff experience to come off your bench and help give an impact like he could easily drop 20 points in the playoffs if he really oh, wanted easily. to if and he's we, hot and we always say that but Joe Johnson on the Raptors squad does look intriguing 
yeah. to see it to say at least that we have another shooter right behind CJ Miles, Fred Van Vliet, the Delon Wright, and then the ben, uh, the rest of the bench mob. Yeah. You know, it, it, even if Joe Johnson will play on the bench or as a starter, replace OG Anunoby as a as a starter, it does look intriguing. Now with all these trades happening, with Cleveland emptying out their roster <laughs> from the East, again. Don't doesn't this look like a good, uh, easy role for the Raptors to the Eastern Conference Finals or even the NBA Finals? Probably. This is gonna be the Raps' year to take the East. Even if Gordon Hayward doesn't come back. If, if I don't, Hayward, I don't think you, I don't think you, you want him to. But look, just look. They're what are they? A game, half a game back, or a game back of the Celtics? Around there, first? yeah, it was a game and a half, yeah. No, I think it's a game. Okay, it's just well, around. Whatever, they're right, case, behind, they're case, right behind him. Case may be. Did you see the beating that the Celtics took the other night against the Celtics? The Raptors took a game, or the Raptors gave the Celtics, excuse me. I think this team is in a win now mode. They're, they're going, they're hot. And when the Raptors are hot, they're definitely a team that you don't want to be wrecking with. Yes, yeah, Steph, by the way, you were right. They're only a game back, a game uh, back. of the Celtics. And they've, you know, now they've split the season series so far, one, one apiece, with two more contests left, one back in Toronto, one back in TD Garden. So, you know, the Raptors control their own fame. That's something, I guess, you could say in past years, Stefano, this is a detriment to what you're saying when this is their year because they really can control their, the narrative this year, Toronto. They can really control their own destiny. If they beat Boston, if they continue winning and beat Boston, they play Boston twice more. They can easily move into that first place thing, uh, seed. You still got to play Cleveland again in Cleveland, which has been proven to be a tough place for the Raptors. You still got to play the Wizards again. You got to play Milwaukee again. So, But these are all teams Toronto's proven they could beat. Toronto could beat any team in the East, really. The East is open for anybody to take. And I, and, and I think that's what Stefano's getting at, that the Raptors have a legitimate chance to make a run for at least first place in the East and at least make it far in the playoffs because they could beat any team. It's about showing up in the playoffs. That's what it comes down to. Exactly. It's, it's about showing up in the playoffs. It's about whether you get matched up with Boston, for example, at Eastern Conference Final, mm-hmm. or Cleveland Cavaliers in the second round. Those are the two teams that you need to beat in the playoffs. At this point, they split games. They beat Cleveland. They've blown out Cleveland. They've blown out the Boston Celtics. At this point, it's like if they win or lose in the regular season in the next few games between Boston and uh, Cleveland... I don't care about the outcome. I rather care about what will happen in the playoffs if they get matched up with Boston and Cleveland. Can they actually go through a team and beat them within seven games in the playoffs and try to make it to the East Conference Final and potentially the NBA Finals and face whoever Western team? Having having home court advantage is big for the Raptors. Yeah. They're 22-4, and four, which is the best in the NBA at home. So they, they need to utilize that that opportunity they if they Boston that is a, that's an amazing series but having a, a team like Boston against a team like Toronto that that is the expected conference finals and we've known this um the Raptors like we've said you know a couple nights ago they they beat the Celtics and they're a proven team but like Jerry you were saying is they need to come up clutch in the big moments we've Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, they have their games in the playoffs where they don't, you know, step up. And then, well, that costs us because we need those guys to step up. Now, here's the thing. Now, do we call upon someone else to 
have that big game. And that's when a guy like a Joe Johnson would come in and be that guy. We need that guy that can come in and do good. Yeah, Fred Van Vliet, Van Vliet and Norman Powell uh, and CJ Miles, they're all going to have, you know, they're all, they're all crucial players to um, a potential championship Eastern Conference champion roster. But what the Raptors needed to do on this trade deadline was they needed to make that trade. Lou Will was up on the block. We should have went after Lou Will. That's, I'm going to be kicking myself all season for that, you know, seeing that we didn't, that they didn't go after that type of player because that's what we need. We need that type of guy that's going to come up big in the biggest moments of the game. So at this point now, um, right now, we're, as we're recording, it's 3 o'clock. I think it's the deadline now or is it 4 o'clock? But either way, the Raptors haven't made any moves le- anymore. So Bruno Caboclo has been traded from the Raptors to Sacramento Kings. Um, Joel Johnson has been bought out. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens if, you know, Messiah would like to, or Bobby Webster would like to sign him, uh, pick him up from the waivers. Um, and we're, he's, he, they're able to do that. But now let's move over to the Leafs. It's a big game a few days ago against the Nashville Predators. What do you guys think about that game? Leafs won 3-2 in a shootout. I mean, first two periods, play was really good. And then the third period, it was evident that the Nashville Predators became the Nashville Predators. Big, strong, heavy skating team that can really hem you in their zone and one of the best defensive cores in the NHL by far the Nashville Predators have uh and yeah I mean like you said Steph good heart it was a good game it really was the Leafs played a good decent game again they gotta learn how to hold the lead they really got in those tight games they can't score seven goals a game and, you know, expect to win like that all the time. you got to win those 3-2 games. And last night they did. Last night, give them credit. They won the game in the crapshoot, as uh, Steve Dangle likes to say. Uh, it, it was just... You know, it was good to see them win this type of a game because you could see right from the beginning, Nashville wasn't giving them anything. They were tough on the puck in the offensive zone. They were playing the Leafs hard in the defensive zone. Beautiful effort by Kasperi Kapanen on that shorthanded goal. Kasperi Kapanen skated his tail off to get to get to get that goal. It was only his fourth of the year, but still, it was great. And I think that the Leafs, you know, it was a good game. They beat the Stanley up finalists from a year ago so uh you know another two points on the on the board and you can't continue to chase boston and tampa on the in the atlantic division right i think it's uh it's gonna it's gonna be a tough battle but i think the leafs can do it if they can win these close games like they did last night what do you think of uh the changes mike babcock's been rolling with these last five games because they've won four of their last five Mm mm-hmm Kasperi Kapnins played in all of those games with Matt Martin being scratched. Mm-hmm. Uh, they sent Andreas Borgman to the AHL, giving Travis Dermott a, uh, an opportunity to play. You know, I'm I'm liking this. I'm liking these changes because you could see now the team is playing at that speed, at that pace. We knew the team always had. I think. I think I'm glad you asked this stuff. I think this changes the Leafs' approach at the trade deadline. I really do. Hundred percent. I does. think. Listen, their D is still their weak link. Nobody's denying that. But you know what? 
maybe you don't need to go get a defenseman as aggressively as you needed to. Travis Dermott has proved he could play, man. He could play on that third defensive pairing with, you know, you could have Polak or um, you could also play with, uh, who was the other guy you played with, Steph? Um, Dermott. Was it... Uh, it was, uh, I'm blanking Polak. out right here. And, uh, it was Polak he did play with and Carrick. And Carrick. That's, that's who right. it was, yes. So um, Dermott's a good solution for that third-line defensive pairing. And you then you got Zaitsev Gardner on the second pairing. You got Hainsey and Riley on the first. So it's been decent so far. I don't think you need to be as aggressive as you need it to be for a defenseman. I think, personally, what they can do is maybe go try and get another center. And now hear me and hear me out here. Right? Your four-center, your four-center, right now are Austin Matthews, Nazem Kadri, Tyler Bozak, and Dominic Moore. You're obviously not moving Matthews. He's your first line center. <laughs> Kadri has proven and shown that he could play on that second line and him and Marner and Marlowe have chemistry. I like that line very much. The two that I'm a little bit curious about are Bozak and Dominic Moore. Dominic Moore is not going to be here for the long run. He's just not going to be. And Tyler Bozak, there are questions, you know, are you going to, are they going to move him? Do they want to keep him? Because JVR, again, last night put up another another goal in, in his contract year. He's he's practically forcing Lou Amarillo to give him a contract extension at the end of the year, JVR. So the, the thing is, do you want to trade Tyler Bozak or do you want to move Dominic Moore and try and get another centerman? Do you think maybe that's an option for the least because as much as you need a defenseman, I think maybe another center could help. If you really want to stabilize that center position, I think maybe you go out and get another center instead of getting another D at the deadline. Okay, I understand where you guys are coming from, but at the end of the day, Travis Dermott is still a rookie. Do you really think he's going to be like, wow, like he's going to make that much of a presence in the playoffs? In the future. Okay, but we're talking about now. The Leafs want to win now and in the future. I'm telling you right now, I've had this discussion with so many people. From us, from being realistic, we'd say, I don't know, if me personally, I think it would be an amazing season if the Leafs made it to the second round of the playoffs. I think that the Leafs still need that number one D. Travis Dermott is amazing. He's going to be good for the future. Mm -hmm. But what you need now for playoff experience going forward, you need someone else. I've said this before, and I'll say this again. Defense is a simple structure. Yes, we all know that we need a number one defenseman. And we all know that this is the team's biggest flaw on the back end. But at the end of the day, we know they're not going to go out there and get a number one defenseman now or at the trade deadline. Why risk the team's winning? Why risk the way the team is playing with the chemistry they've had all season so far? For example, getting rid of Tyler Bozak. Do I think we need to get rid of him? Potentially, yes. Because he's still an asset to your team, and he still holds a little bit of value. But at the end of the day, if he's contributing and he's helping the team win, there's no need to fix anything. We know Travis Dermott is a good defenseman, and he's making that decision a lot harder if you want to believe it or not. At the end of the day, playoffs is a simple defensive structure you need to follow. And to answer your question, do I think it's possible the Leafs can go more than two rounds? Yes, I do. As a Leaf fan, I'm not being biased. What team in the East, in the Atlantic Division, do the Leafs have to worry about? Because 
That's it. We know the Leafs have proven they can beat the Bruins. Okay. They've had the Bruins number for the last two seasons. But right now, the We've way played that the Bruins Tampa are Bay once with. That's all. We still got three more times to play Tampa once we played them in the new year, January. So as of right now, you you'd be confident going up against the Bruins in the playoffs? Yes. I wouldn't. The Bruins are hot. We get it. They they were on an, on an unbelievable run, 18 consecutive games with a point in it. We get it. Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand. That's a very good and deep line. But you know what? A lot of people are underestimating this Leafs team. Well, you underestimate them because they have zero playoff experience. They had playoff experience from last year, and that's it. Okay. And they took the President's Cup trophy team to six games, five of them in overtime. Which brings me to the you're point. Telling, you're, telling me, you're telling me if there was a game seven, you don't know what would have happened. In Washington? Okay. You don't know. what. You can't guarantee the Leafs wouldn't have beaten the Capitals. Okay, there's no guarantee, but you'd still tip your cap towards the Caps to win. Steph, be realistic, man. Listen, I'm being real. No, be, play, I'm play, being realistic. Playoffs and regular season is a totally different animal. I understand And that's, that's literally been the, dif- the difference between Pittsburgh and Washington over these years. I don't care how many President's Cup trophies you have. If you lose in the second round of the playoffs every single year, what does that do? Nothing. Listen, right now... But we're not the talking... Pitt- I, know, I know what I'm saying. But I'm saying playoff hockey... And regular season hockey are two different animals, and that's why you need experience on the back end. Honestly, I don't even think the Leafs are going to get anyone at this point. Did Pittsburgh have a superstar defenseman last year? In the playoffs, did they have a superstar defenseman? But was every single defenseman on their game night in, night out? Yes, and that's, that's why they won. That's what the Leafs have to do. They have to build a consistent deep pairing. They said it last night. Jake Gardner's had a phenomenal... Last stretch of a few games. Morgan Riley, Morgan Riley, he's been playing well all season. Once Zaitsev gets back to shape and Hainsey, if these guys can give you consistent play on the back end at the right time, look out for the team. That's all I'm saying. Gardner and Riley, Zaitsev, Hainsey, they've proven they can be a top four. A top six unit. The Leafs have the D that can just play consistent. Top six, you just said. That's all your defense. Dimitri, I think what Steph's trying to get at here is that the Leafs shouldn't be afraid necessarily to play any team. No. Just like just like last year, however, uh, including myself, a lot of people were skeptical about you know how the Leafs would fare in their first year in, in the playoffs in a full season against the President's Trophy winners because... Right now, I'm looking at the stats here. The only team the Leafs haven't taken at least one point off of this year is Tampa. And they've they've only played them once. We still play them at least twice. And, sorry, and the Buffalo Sabres, who we haven't played at all this year. So, the Leafs can beat or at least take any team to overtime. They've shown that this year. Against Boston, they've won two and lost one this this past weekend. And Tampa Bay, they still have a chance to show they can beat them. Even last game was close. I think that the what Stefano again what Stefano is trying to say is the Leafs shouldn't be afraid. Not necessarily they're gonna they're gonna beat these teams four times in two weeks because that's what you got to look at too. In a playoff series, you're playing the same team 
um, maximum seven times in a two-week span. Can they beat them? Now, more teams you'd be more confident in than others, but the Leafs can take anybody, really, and it's the NHL. It's it's anybody's game to, you know, beat. So I think that's what Steph's getting at here. If you get consistent play the way that we know the Leafs can play, not, not how the Leafs squeak out wins, but how we know they can play, they can really beat any team in the league. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from, but not once that I say, should the Leafs be scared? They shouldn't be scared. If you're scared, you shouldn't be in the playoffs. All I'm saying is that I'm worried about the experience on the back end. Listen, games like last night where it was even for two periods, and then the third period, Nashville was all over the Leafs, and that's where you expect your goaltender to steal a game for you. But I'm telling you right now, in the playoffs, you don't have 5-4 games. I'd say the average score in the playoffs is 3-2. There's at least five goals in a game, whether it be 4-1, 3-2, whatever it may be. But what I'm trying to get at is that I think there's still a lot that can be done on that back line. You really think Gardner is like he's had a good week. That's this is the only good week he's had in the whole season. Riley's been amazing, phenomenal this year. I just don't think that this experience is enough what we need just yet. Well, you got you got uh, Gardner. Gardner's oh. got thirty assists and three goals. I'm in in. in points. He's played. He's played okay. He's played decent. Nobody's saying Gardner is a number. Is the number one defenseman on the team? But he's played. It's what we have to work Pull with. Pull up the stats right now. Who are your top ten leading defensemen in the NHL in points? So is Gardner in the top ten? Let's check. No, I'm. Even if he is, do you think he's a top ten defenseman? Bro, he's not even a top thirty defenseman in the NHL. He's actually so bad. Dimitri, you're looking at needs and wants versus proper thinking okay in the playoffs once your players are hot and at the right time if you can get consistency out of them you will win hockey games whether you have a Drew Doughty on your back end or a Jake Gardner you will win hockey games yes we know we need a superstar defenseman that's what this team is missing but all I'm saying and all my main argument is if you can get consistency out of these players the team will be fine it's a big if, and that's what I'm trying to tell you. That's what I'm worried about, and that's why Tristan, did th- you find those stats? This is where this debate comes into fact because you think that it's going to be so easy to find consistency. Where I'm telling you that this inexperience come closer to playoff time and into playoff time is where the Leafs are going to be hold back, and that's where they're going to expect Freddie Anderson to stop 45 shots a game, and where they're going to expect Matthews to score at least a goal or two per game. Can I just say I'm loving this argument right now? This is this is a lot of fun right now. Um, just. <laughs> to, yeah, just to, like Stefano says, so I just brought up the stats here. Uh, number one scoring defenseman in the NHL is John Klingberg of the Dallas Stars. He's got 50 points. He's having a great year. My choice for the Norris, personally. I think that, or sorry, I don't think, I know Gardner is 12th in points. He's tied, sorry, he's tied for 12th with Seth Jones with 33 points. And Morgan Riley's down at 32. So the Leafs have two of the top 15 defensemen in scoring. They they, they have that going for them. Uh, but again, back to my point, is it going to win you the Stanley Cup? No, nobody's saying this is the defenseman that's going to win you the Stanley Cup. Everybody knows their defenseman is their weak link, but it's what you have to work with right now. What they have to work with isn't as bad maybe as some people think. Yeah, you you know, you got to clean up some stuff. Maybe Roman Polak shouldn't be playing. A lot of people argue that. But, you know, what they have so far isn't terrible, you could say. 
not terrible. So be honest right now. So if the Leafs were at the deadline to chase after a guy like Rick Nash or a guy like Ryan McDonough and they need that type of playoff experience, as a Leaf fan, would you guys take that and arguably say that you have the best defense in the league? The Leafs will never have the best defense in the league. One, Even if you get one superstar, it doesn't matter. If I were to pick over Rick Nash and Ryan McDonough, I'd take Ryan McDonough all day because he's an established defenseman, a captain in the NHL who would actually come in and make a difference. We don't need forwards. Is, is Ryan McDonough your number one solution to the D-man issue? No, I don't think so. But is he a, is he a proven number one D over the he's years? He's proven to be a number one defenseman over the years, but I'm saying he's not the right fit. What I'm saying is... The Leafs have been through a lot these last three seasons. For them to go at this trade deadline coming up and say, I'm going to give up something for Rick Nash or Ryan McDonough, it blows this whole idea of what they've been building for the last three seasons out of the window. Right now, the team is doing fine. They're winning games, and there's no reason for them to take a gamble at risking that. JVR, another great example, okay? He's a great player. He contributes to the Leafs lineup night in and night out. Why would you want to take a risk and throw that out the window by giving him away? The problem is you got to look to the future. Is he going to be part of this team moving forward? I think that's the that's – the, I understand your point, but I think that's how the Leafs and Lamorello are looking at it, where is, is JVR worth paying the money that he's going to want moving forward? And he's having a great year this year. Let's say next year he does and then the year after that. That's the question I think the Leafs are looking at with, with regards to JVR. Well, you guys got what? You got Martin's contract coming up soon. You got mm-hmm. Matthews. You got mm-hmm. Neilander. Those guys are all going to want big time money. So for a guy like JVR, you don't want to commit to him long term. He's on the downward trend. He's not like how he used to be in his Philly days. And that's when you guys got him. That's when he was, you know, killing it. So do you try and go for it now? Go for a cup now. Risk everything, you know, the farm, whatever, picks, whatever you need to do to try and chase a cup while, you know, you have this incredible amount of depth and, you know, overall team that could push for, you know, the cup if they get that guy that they need, you know, like the defenseman or the veteran winger or whatever it may be that, you know, they decide to pursue. As a Leaf fan, would you guys be accepting of that? Uh, probably forwards-wise, not defensemen. Because, again, this is the whole basis yeah. of this argument. You're not going to trade away your farm system with your defensemen. You're, you're just not going to. If you want to trade away some forwards like Colin Greening, even Frederick Gauthier, really, if you wanted to trade players like that, if you want to get a defenseman, yeah, I'd, I'd look at uh, trading some trading people like that. Do I want to? Preferably not, but I mean, if, if those guys are going to get you a decent defenseman, why wouldn't you if that's your weak link? The Leafs have developed the firepower they need up front. They, they've already done that. And they still have a few prospects that are in the minors that still show some serious potential. The whole point of this conversation was, as Dimitri mentioned, can the Leafs make a deep playoff run? I personally think if the defense gets playing to the way they need or the way they can, excuse me, and follows the proper simple structure that Mike Babcock's been drilling into their heads all season, this team should not be scared of a team and no team will be taking them lightly coming the playoffs. 
That's all I'm saying. This is a team you're going to want to look out for whether you have a number one D-man or not. I understand where you're coming from, Steph, but it just blows my mind how just two weeks ago, two podcasts ago, our main focus on that show our main debate was the Leafs truly do need a number one D. No, but listen, no, listen. They do. Because I'm, not, they, I'm, not, I'm not arguing that No, fact. I know. But the Leafs were so bad during that time. We were like, they need to make a move ASAP. But now, just because they've won, what is it? Six and No, they lost to Boston. Four or five. They've won like six of their last seven or five, or five. five of their last six. So the fact that they've won five of their last six and they're playing well now, it doesn't mean you should just turn a blind eye to the fact that they shouldn't try and bring someone in. Two weeks ago, two of their... Defensemen that are a big part of this team were hurt. Okay, I understand. Morgan Riley, whether you think he's going to be a number one defenseman or not, he's a big part of this yeah, team. Yeah, he is. Nikita Zaitsev, whether you think he can be a good second pairing on this team, he's a big part of that team. He got hurt. He missed, what, seven, 18 games, I believe it was. All I'm saying is once this team and their defensemen get back into a groove... It's simple structure that will win you games in the playoffs. Whether you're playing a team with a bunch of superstars or whether you're playing a team with a bunch of stiffs, at the end of the day, it's simple structure. And that's what's going to get you to win hockey games. Pittsburgh was an offensive firepower, of, uh, an offensive powerhouse in the playoffs these last two seasons. Their forwards are unbeatable. But last season, they didn't have a number, a true number one defenseman to say they hoisted the Stanley Cup. Latang was hurt, right? Latang didn't play last okay, year. Okay, but Justin Schultz, like they all but stepped up, is what I'm trying to say. They're, they gotta step up. Their defensemen yeah. have to step up for the Leafs to make a run in the playoffs. Whether they have a number one guy or not, I don't think that's gonna to be the, the game changer right at this season or right at this moment. Their defense has to step up, no questions asked, but the consistency is what they need to get out of the defense. Yeah, and you said simple structure. The hardest thing to do in hockey is to play simple. I mean, you look at Gardner, the, the one thing that I've been harping on this show, this podcast, the first pass is the most important thing. Jake Gardner skates to the blue line, does a figure eight, comes back, goes back around Anderson, comes back to the blue line, does that on and on and on, turns the puck over. Next thing before you know it, what? Packs the puck's in the back of the net. I'm telling you, he could be an amazing defenseman, but there's just too many mistakes, and his inexperience is what can cost the Leafs in the end. And listen, that Pittsburgh defense last year might have had no Latang, so no number one defenseman, but they have more depth than the Leafs do now. Do you play Connor Carrick over Roman Polak? Yes. You think so? It's... There's... There's nothing... Okay, I have nothing against... Well, no, I do have things against, but at the end of the day... The game has gotten too fast to to say Roman Polak can keep up. Yes, he's that veteran backbone, you might want to call it, of the back end. But at the end of the day, he he's just too slow. Okay, Connor Carrick, I've... Be honest, I've never been a big fan of Connor Carrick, but this year I don't think he was given a fair opportunity to showcase what he's capable of doing. So for that reason, it's it's hard for me to say. But the games he has played in, you don't notice errors. You don't notice big boneheaded mistakes. He's 
a simple play defenseman. Well, they've both played 34 of 56 games this year, and Carrick actually has one more point than him. He's got one more goal than uh, Polak, and he's actually got an eight better plus minus. He's a plus seven, Connor yeah, Carrick. Polak's a minus one. That's what matters. For a defenseman standpoint, it doesn't matter how many points you put up. It's good if the points are there. For example, Gardner being 12th in the league with points. We already know that's a little bit over much. As a defenseman, like Tristan just said, plus eight difference Carrick to Polak. But your, your plus minus as a defenseman is, to me, that's what I look for. Are you on the ice when we score or are you off the ice when we 100%. score? 100%. But that's why I also feel Connor Carrick better suited. Yeah. The game's getting faster. Okay. Plays coming in the, through the neutral zone into the offensive zone much quicker than it was. And a lot of these goals today in the NHL are scored by getting pucks deep, skating fast. And I just, I don't think Roman Polak can keep up with the, the pace anymore. I just, I, I can't. I get it. He might be that toughness you need back there. Like, get out of my net. You're not coming in my crease, stuff like that. But let them play. Just let them play and develop them the way you want them to develop. Connor Carrick's not doing you any good sitting in the press box. Yeah, it's just... Like you said, Steph, I, I agree with you on, on the Carrick thing. You even got other guys too. Hall. Hall is showing he can play in the few games. It was Scores two goals and everyone thinks he's God. I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm just saying the guy can play. These are other options other than Roman Polak. You just agreed with me that Polak uh, isn't a yeah, good defenseman. I understand, but like... Hall scores two goals and everyone thinks he's God and Gardner has a good week and everyone thinks he's Jesus. Like, I just don't understand. I don't think that this defense has what it takes just yet to make a deep, deep run into the playoffs. That's probably, all I'm going to say. You're probably right. They're, they're late. I am right. Watch. Second round, they're done. Guaranteed. I don't disagree with you. Personally, I think the Leafs are second round at best. I think that that's the best they'll make it, personally, with the Leafs, with the lineup they currently have. But that's our whole basis of our argument. The trade deadline is coming up, and... You know, they might make a move that'll change your mind, Dimitri, by next week. We'll see. My mind's not being changed. It doesn't matter. There's, I'm talking about experience. A bunch of guys who are in the first and second year. It's not going to do anything. I'm telling you guys right now, the Leafs will not make it past the second round of the playoffs. And even if they do lose in the second round, that's still a very good year. As long as you... Last year, they lost in the first round. If you lose in the second round, that's progress. You've made it further than the last year. And then the next year after that, you aim for the conference final. And then after that, you aim for the Stanley Cup. It's a process. We've said, take it year by year. It's a process. We build by year by year. And I just... I don't don't think going for much at the trade deadline is worth taking a shot. If, if it's a process and this team is still in the process of building, let them play out the rest of the season and let them see how it works out. Because at the end of the day, there's no rush. Sure, the Leafs want to win, but no one's expecting them to win a Stanley Cup this year. You know what I mean? I'm telling you right now. You have been saying this from day one that you think that the Leafs can actually win the cup this year. You said this at the Never beginning. said this year. Steph, man. Dimitri, let's not talk about this right now. If, if, you, if you think You're that the Leafs... You're if, if, It's all there's to I'm a Tavares fan. But listen, the fact that if you think that they can make it to the Eastern Conference Final, what's one more round going to do? What are you talking about? Our, okay, so listen. You, uh, you're worried about Tampa from the Atlantic only. 
I mean, from team, okay, only team okay. in the East, I would say even just Tampa. Okay, so you're you're confident if they play if they play Tampa, that would be what the second round of the playoffs, or the, or the third round because if it's if it's wild card plays the first place in the best team, right? The best, the best first record in the East plays the second wild card. Yeah. The second best wild uh, the second best record in the East plays the first wild card. And then from there you your two and three seeds in each division play each other. So I think it'd be the third round, right Tristan? You're not confident the Leafs winning the Santa Cup this year? Cause the way that I hear you talking about the Leafs every other day, you make it seem like you're very confident they have a chance. No, I'm being I'm I'm honestly being serious with you. The way that you talk about the Leafs, Matthews this, Matthews that they can make I never said you'll see the Leafs in the Stanley Cup final to push potentially for a cup and getting to the Eastern Conference final I could see them doing I can but not with a Stanley Cup not this year JR please just put just transition us to the next segment before these two start throwing punches no, at actually, each other. JR it. what do you think about the Leafs you haven't said much well the Toronto Maple Leafs you know uh, they're really good on the hardwood that's where they play on, right? Stick the ball, JR. Stick the ball. <laughs> the Leafs have been here long before the Raptors. Okay, huh? my one point is, can they make a playoff run? For sure. Are they going to make a play a win a Stanley Cup this year? No. Next year? Probably, but highly, most likely, no. If you they don't bring you, in that number one D, they're you, not winning no you cup. You look at the Nashville Predators, okay, last year. They made it to the Stanley Cup final, and they were the eighth seed in the Western Conference. But they still Anything were. can happen when it comes to playoffs. I understand. Whether the Leafs have a number one defenseman or not, anything can happen. But look, that, look at that team. Do you really think that that team was an eighth-place team? That just goes to show you how Why good— Why are you asking that question if they finished the Listen, eighth seed? Listen, okay, but what I'm trying to tell you is that look at the team that they have— do you really think that eighth place is where they truly deserve to finish? It's the Western Conference, man. Okay. It's the Western Conference. Anything can happen in the West. I don't see anything happening in the East. Last year in the Eastern Conference, first round, every favorite one. Every single favorite one. P.K. Subban, Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis. All three of those guys are better than anyone on the Leafs right now on the back end. And Pecarine is just as good, if not better, than Anderson. All right, we'll see what happens. We got the NHL trade deadline coming up as well. February 26th. Who cares? Leafs aren't going to do anything. (laughs) The Leafs' next game is Saturday night, Hockey Night in Canada. They're taking on the Ottawa Senators. Yep, big deal. (laughs) Just saying. All right, let's talk about a bigger game here. Uh, Last Sunday, the Super Bowl 52 happened, a rematch. Of Tom Brady, fly, where are you Eagles at? <laughs> Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles, they beat the Tom. Uh, I was supposed to say Tom Brady and the Patriots. Yeah, Tom Brady and the Patriots, 41 to 33 in Super Bowl 52. Was it the best Super Bowl I've ever watched? No. Was it entertaining? Of course. What was the best Super Bowl you watched? Don't I, tell me last year because. No, no, no. I, no, 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 not last year for sure. But. No, I don't, I don't think I, I don't, it's gotta I don't, be last year. Last year, I mean, that ooh, was ridiculous. best best Super Bowl <laughs> from start to finish. Last year's Super Bowl was not the best. It's not the best. Be- oh, okay, okay. I I disagree. I disagree because the first half people got exactly what they wanted. New England losing, Atlanta, you know, all over them. It was twenty-eight to three, high scoring, and then second half Patriots, was all of that's all there's to it. And and you know, yeah. And last year. 
you know, you had, again, Patriots come back second half, high scoring game, 34, to, uh, sorry, uh, well, yeah, 34 to 28. It was a great game. I, I personally thought that was the best Super Bowl. Wait, no, okay, hold on. I just, I just said, I just said the past Super Bowl that happened last Sunday was just, just entertaining. I no, I know, which, but Tristan was not okay, okay. Had saying it was. The whole point of something being the best Super Bowl is that it's very competitive from start to finish. Of course. Okay, listen, to me, the best Super Bowls in the past were the one that we witnessed on Sunday between the Eagles, the Patriots. Another very good one was with the Steelers and the Packers. But there was and no another defense. one that I saw was with the Steelers and the Cardinals. How could this Sunday be a good Super Bowl? There was no defense played. But it was always entertaining. Entertaining? The Don't say the best Super Bowl. was close throughout the, from, the, the from the first kickoff to the final Hail Mary. And this last year's Super Bowl kept you wondering, can the Patriots come back? Okay, can they do I understand, it? Can Tristan, they come but back the from first this half was a blowout. I understand that, you, but it kept you guessing. People didn't tune out after halftime. People kept watching. Listen. Oh, no, I think it, people tuned out. It's the greatest comeback in sports history last year's Super Bowl, but it wasn't the greatest Super Bowl. Just because it's the greatest comeback doesn't necessarily Yeah, some people the say game. the Steelers, Arizona one. That was entertaining as well, you know. From start to finish, man. Think of it. Just before halftime, James Harrison had a 100-yard INT pick six. Yeah. Santonio Holmes catches that touchdown pass, toes in at the end. Like, that's what you want. That Packers and Steelers game yeah. literally went back and forth, back and forth every single drive. That's what you want to see in a Super Bowl. Look what happened with the Seahawks and the Broncos that one year. The worst Super Bowl we've ever witnessed. Would you, would you say... Giants versus Patriots is up there as well. Of course, back and Which forth one? every single day. The Tyrese catch that the, was arguably the be- that was better than Edelman's last year. Me personally, yeah. the fact that he went up like that, two defenders on him. Sure, Edelman's catch was ridiculous. That, Tough to uh, see. Yeah. You want to see the best of the best in the Super Bowl? This year, I think we did see it. Okay, no one wanted to see defense. Everyone knows we wanted to watch an offensive powerhouse game. We might as well just have watched the Vikings and the Jaguars if we wanted defense. But that's not the case. But but this is what I what I've been saying. I think that sure offense is great. Everyone wants the offense. But what really was the main point of this Super Bowl was that defense wins you games. Sure you got the best offense, but there was one sack in the game. And that one sack turned out to be the biggest play of the game. Yeah. That play won the game. I told so, everyone going into the Super Bowl that the Eagles have the best pass rush in the league. And look, they, they rushed Brady. They made him fumble the ball, and that's how they won. Just like with the Jags. The whole season, the Jaguars could not defend the run game. What happened? White goes on a 12-yard run, picks up the first down, and game over. They run the clock. Defense wins championships okay, to I your own Tristan, credit. Defense wins you championships, but that game was the furthest thing from a defensive display. Exactly. That's why so I, what don't, are you trying to say I don't find it to be the best Super Bowl because it wasn't competitive in the sense that the defenses weren't competing. It really why? you. There was one punt in the game. There was okay. one punt. So essentially, every single, t- every single time, practically, that the Patriots and the Eagles touched the ball they were either putting it in the end zone or, or scoring or a field Gustav, goal or missing yeah. an extra point or a field goal that was what happened so personally I like that Seahawks Patriots Super Bowl a few years back the Malcolm Butler interception that was competitive throughout because the Patriots were only down what 10 in the fourth yeah, quarter and they came back is to nothing win. is what I'm trying to say yeah realistically 21 points is nothing for Tom Brady in fact 25 points 25 is points is 20 okay but what I'm trying to nothing. say is that when you measure what Super Bowl is the greatest of all time you're always gonna see what game was the most competitive from the first quarter all the way to the fourth Tristan by no means man last year the greatest comeback anyone has ever 
ever seen. And if they say otherwise, they're an idiot, an absolute idiot. Last year, Brady was amazing. But I can tell you right now. Great this year, that, too. That, yeah, but he didn't win the ring, so who cares? What I'm trying to tell you, when it comes to the competitiveness in a Super Bowl, you want to see from kickoff to the last play when that clock hits zeros. Was it competitive throughout the duration of fourth qu- four quarters? For example, this year it was. Last year, it wasn't. It's personal opinion at the end of the day. It's what you enjoyed at watching. End, at the end of the day, too, I think play calling was a big thing. Okay, Nick Foles caught a TD. Okay, best play Super Bowl the history. Best play calling in a Super Bowl game I've watched in a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay, gambling, taking risks the way both teams did, paid off for the Eagles. Okay. Mm-hmm. You might want to say it came down to a few controversial calls in the end of the game. You might want to say it was about the play calling. Tom Brady didn't catch the ball. Nick Foles did. There could have been easily many different instances in the game that defined it itself. Changed it, yeah. You, you want to ask, why didn't the Patriots play Malcolm Butler? There are all kinds of questions that you got to ask yourself about this year's Super Bowl. What do you think, Dimitri? What do I think in respects to what the Patriots could have done better? Play call. Play calling. Uh, people that should have played, who didn't play, etc. All that stuff. Honestly, the way that I see it is that... A lot of people were saying that Doug Peterson outcoached Bill Belichick, Nick Foles outplayed Tom Brady, but to me, I think both of those aren't true at all. I think Brady had a better game than Foles because he threw 505 yards. His numbers were amazing. But trust me, take nothing away from Nick Foles. He was just as good. Uh To To me, I don't think either or outplayed the other. I don't because the Eagles won, but Tom Brady was so spectacular that I wouldn't say by any means that Foles outplayed Brady. When you look at what happened with the coaching situation, I thought that Doug Peterson was more aggressive than Belichick, and that's all there was to it. That's a gutsy play, man. Fake play call, you throw the ball to Nick Foles. At the end of the day, it has nothing to do with anyone outplaying anyone. Doug Peterson was more aggressive. You Maybe can you also, could say he outcoached him, but to me, take, I don't was, see that as being outcoached. And he was just taking risks. That's you can also, high risk, high reward. You can also take risks against that defense, too. Uh, as we were just arguing about the defense, there was no defense played in that game. So you could be gutsy and call that, what are they calling it, the Philly special play where Nick yeah. Foles caught it. <laughs> you can call that sort of a play because the Nick, uh, sorry, the New England Patriots uh, defense clearly wasn't evident in that game. So I, I don't, like you said, I disagree that Foles and Peterson outcoached and played Brady and Belichick. I disagree with that statement. Yeah, I, I, Bra- I when Brady throws it. for 500 yards, you can't really say he outplayed him. You, yeah, you can say his defense outplayed. I, I don't. I, that's what I said. I don't believe that either or outplayed the other. I think it was a very evenly matched game, and it literally came down to Doug Peterson being more aggressive than Belichick. I listen. You can maybe make a case or make a debate that Peterson did outcoach Belichick, mm-hmm. but you can't say that Foles outplayed. No, they they Brady. both they both played spectacular. No, they, that's they, what they I'm both saying though. But I got a quick question for you, Tristan. No bias, you know. Did this loss taint Tom Brady's legacy? Do you think that he's now officially better than Joe Montana? In all honesty. Did it taint his legacy? Absolutely not. Is he better than Joe Montana? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
let's understand something. Tom Brady, this is not... They Again, I just mentioned, he threw 505 friggin' yards in the Super Bowl, man. He yeah. threw three touchdown, three touchdown passes. The guy has five rings to his credit, four Super Bowl One MVPs. Three, he just won league MVP. But no ring, so what does that matter? Curry, league MVP, no ring. Big I, deal. Okay, but we're not talking about Curry is better than Jordan. We're talking about Brady being better than okay, Joe Montana. Fair. And in my personal opinion, he is. I mean, the guy has five. He has more rings than Montana. He does have more rings. He's got that going for him. He's got more pass. He also threw seven. with his 500 yards. He also pa- uh, became the first quarterback in NFL history to have 10,000 postseason passing yards. The guy's got everything. The Tom Brady is the greatest QB NFL player I've ever seen. I, I he's the greatest in history. I I disagree. In the modern football area uh, era, he is uh, the best. Exactly. Uh, 100%. Yeah. By far yeah, yeah, this, he's in, better than Manning. In our I'll give in him our that. era where we grew up watching football, Tom Brady is by far the best football player that we've ever seen. Ever. So, what I'm trying to get at now is it's very hard to pick and choose one or one, but if I were to lean in the direction of one way, I'd probably go Joe Montana. The guy was Mr. Perfect. He mm. went four for four in the Super Bowls. Yep. He threw 12 touchdown passes in those Super Bowls and did not throw one single interception. Mm-hmm. You're trying to tell me that if Joe Montana didn't play in another four Super Bowls that he wouldn't have won at least two? He never made it. Tom Brady's been to eight. Tom Brady's been to eight. He's lost three, and three of them came down to one play that really defined the game. Again, the first one should never have won because tuck rule. But, I mean, the league was on his side for that. What are you going to do? Shoulda, woulda, coulda. No, but I'm just saying, they, they they have a reputation. Exactly. Like Steph said, shoulda, coulda, woulda. A lot of the cults have been going the Patriots' way. Mm-hmm. And I think in that final, they got a taste of their own medicine. Good. I disagree with that. I don't think they got any taste of their own medicine. The refs let them play. I think the NFL this year has faced a lot of criticism with what's a catch, what's not to get not a catch. They, yeah, did they he need get to his, seriously did he in get the his feet in? Did he not get his feet in? So in the regular season, if that was the New England Patriots with the ball, that would have been called a touchdown. Down. I actually think so. Uh, are, which are you talking about the Earth catch? Yeah, I I disagree. I think so. I think in the regular season that gets called back. I really do. And I'm not, I, I'm not, not saying, if it's the Patriots, my friend. I disagree. It I think if that's any six. team this year, the NFL the had the this year the NFL had the worst year by far with officiating and replay reviews. They had so many bad calls overturned that should have stayed. Calls stayed that should have been overturned. So many different bad decisions made by the NFL this year. You had the protests. It was a bad year for the NFL. I'd have to say that. It was a bad year for the NFL. The final four teams were not what people expected except for the Patriots. So, in total, I think the NFL had a bad year in total and with regards to the Yurts catch, I think that catch, I think it gets called back. I think the Clement catch near, near the end of the end zone when his foot went out, I think that gets called back in the regular uh, regular season too. I think, yeah. I, I agree with you on that, Dimitri. Or, sorry, I, I disagree with you on that, Dimitri. <laughs> I just think any play that involves the Patriots will literally favor them in any way, shape, or form. Bro, come on, man. Tuck rule. Have you seen that play before? That was how many years ago? Why 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 does it matter? Because the league has been with Brady and Belichick since that year. You're trying to... Bro, Brady threw the ball, okay? It was a fumble. That was how many... But again, Dimitri, we're talking about this year. We're talking about this year. Yeah, what about this year? What happened against the Jets? What happened against the Jets? Okay, fine. What happened against the Steelers? 
It got what called happened? back. It was exactly the James. The James uh, again at the end of the day, too many inconsistent calls because the NFL wants to see the same team win game in and game out. No, because they don't know what the catch is anymore. No, You've because seen they want money in, so in their pockets. So you know what? Brady's going to bring us the most money, so let's put him in the game every single year. I disagree with that because if that Jesse James catch wasn't a catch, then why is the Zach Ertz catch a catch? Tristan, there's no denying that over the past two decades, the Patriots have arguably been the bread and butter for the NFL. I disagree. It's happened in other games than the Patriots. The, you know, you Steph, you don't even know this. The co- the the ref that ref the Super Bowl, uh, I I don't know his name at the time. He was the ref who in the Raiders and Cowboys game that uh, do you remember this game, Dimitri? At the end of the Cowboys Raiders game, it came down to a first down, and the ref actually got out his card and made the the first yeah. down in between the ball and the hash mark yeah. and the hash uh, the marker yeah. whatever it is I'm calling it hash brown hash marks whatever it is he <laughs> he used a card to decipher the yeah. first down exactly. that is ba- in a, in 2018 17 with with technology yeah. we're using cards to make first down the NFL doesn't know what their rules are anymore that's on the NFL the don't NFL say it. seriously that's not just with the Leafs the I, I, with the Le- again with the Leafs that's not just with the Patriots it's with every team the Cowboys, the Raiders. That was another game. There were a lot of times this year the NFL screwed up. They really did. You go ask anybody. They had bad calls this year, the NFL. It's not just with the Patriots. Tristan, we know that. But what Steph and I are trying to say is that over these however many years Brady and Belichick have been teamed up together, they have had a lot of calls, Tristan. A lot of calls. Okay, so I have other teams too. Name them. Hmm? Name them. Name all the Patriots calls. Oh, you can. The two this year we just told you about. You're using 15 years of material since the tuck rule game. Patriots call at the end of the game. Jets get a touchdown to tie the game to send it to overtime. You're a Jets and fan. Call. Of course you're going to look at it like it's that. It's principle of the call. And he the princi- never lost control of the and ball. And the principle of the he Jesse James call was that he ball. lost the ball. You're not getting the point. You're not getting the point either. That's the rule. The rule is the rule. The rule is the rule. That's the rule. We are running out of time. Um, that's that's our show for this week. Um, Matthew Spina. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thank you for joining thank us. You, no problem. Uh, I like thanks this. For, thanks for joining. I think I think he should be here more often to get Hopefully. more debates. I Hopefully. think he definitely sparked up our debates. Um, <laughs> Matthew, where can they find you on any social media accounts? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at mspina underscore and as well on Instagram as as at Matthew. Matthew Spina, S-P-I-N-A. Dimitri? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Dimitri Daphos. Stefano? Yeah, you guys know. You can find me at uh, Instagram at uh, Stefano Pelleggi or on Twitter at Pelleggi98. Don't hesitate to DM us. Uh, if you want us to touch base about stuff in our future podcast, if we're not uh, touch, t- if you think we can touch base or talk more about a specific topic, don't hesitate to uh, contact us in any way. Tristan. Yeah, you can find me at uh, T Markajani13 on Twitter and at Tristan Markajani on Instagram. Thank you guys, and you can follow us on the Just Sports Talk. Uh, accounts at Just Sports Talk underscore on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. We're on there as well. So you get the latest episode in your feed once we upload. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you guys next week. Peace out.